This week on Podcast Royal, we chat about the royal family's Christmas, find out who the hardest working royal is of 2022, and mark our calendars for this year's Trooping the Color. Plus, we look back on our top 10 royal moments of 2022 and look ahead to 2023 in the royal family, all on episode 81 of Podcast Royal. Welcome back to Podcast Royal and welcome to 2023 to all of our listeners and to you, Jessica. It's good. We've been catching up for like, I don't know, a solid 20 minutes offline. So I know how (laughs) your holiday season was, but I would love it if you would divulge to our listeners, especially new listeners. And if there are new listeners, welcome to the Podcast Royal Royals, as I am calling it. And I'm Rachel and this is Jessica. Yeah. Happy New Year to you again, Rachel, and Happy New Year to our listeners. Um, I had a great holiday season. I really took advantage of just stepping away and enjoying some time unplugged with family and friends. I, I, I traveled back um, to my hometown to see family and went to dinner with one of my best friends one evening and um, really just took a real break. And it was wonderful. Um, I, I feel like Especially in the past few months, we've had so much buzzing around in the news about the royal family and just everything else. And I don't know about our listeners, but I kind of just wanted to step away from it all. I mean, yeah. I, I did check in and and you know see some updates, but other than that, I wasn't following all of the news stories as closely as I normally do. And I hope our listeners took a break too. And so maybe we're all kind of coming back refreshed and ready to jump back in. Um, but I had a wonderful, wonderful Christmas and New Year's. Um, what about you, Rachel? How was yours? It was really good. It was really low key, did not travel, which has kind of been the theme for the past few years, um, I hosted and it was really nice. It was really low key. I actually worked quite a bit. That is, that is my new year's resolution. So every year I pick a word and my word for 2023 is balance because I'm so out of balance right now in my life. I am working way too much. I know it. And so I'm really going to be cognizant of that going into 2023, but I worked a lot. I did have Um, I say I had a few days off, but between um, both of my jobs, I have two jobs. I, I think there was, I think actually I had one, one day off and that was the 23rd and I didn't no work that day. And, and, you know, this is not me complaining. I'm no, I'm sorry. I did take off Christmas, even Christmas day, although I normally work on the weekends, but I did not work that weekend. So that is my goal for myself for 2023 is to find a little bit more equilibrium, but overall it was wonderful. It was very low key. I still have my Christmas tree up and my wreath and my decor. And I'm claiming, um, I'm not Episcopalian, but I I'm, I'm Methodist, but I'm claiming epiphany, which is not until January 6th. And we're recording this on January 3rd. I just want a couple more days with my Christmas tree. I don't know, but it was a wonderful holiday season. And, um, just, I'm just really excited for what is to come in 2023, not just on the show, but just in life. And, we're in January now. It is your birthday month. We are just a couple of weeks, about three weeks away from your birthday. We're just about a week out from the Princess of Wales 41st birthday. And the New York Times gave us both a gift. I don't think either of us will ever forget. We were named one of their five royal podcasts to listen to. And we ended up in both the digital edition and the print edition the Sunday New York Times, no less, on January 1st, no less. So I told you this offline, I spoiled my own surprise, but I ran up to Barnes and Noble on Sunday and bought all of the copies they had and I grabbed you one too. So the next time I see you, which <laughs> will be soon, I'm I'm going to give you your copy. I mean, how cool is that? That was so unexpected and just such a blessing. So what, what was your thought when I texted you? Were you just blown as blown away as I was? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah, it's always it's a fun surprise anytime, you know, we're we're mentioned kindly by a writer out there, but especially for the New York Times. I mean, it's, you know, pretty big publication. So um I was surprised though when you told me it was print. I definitely didn't expect that. Um, so definitely a, a fun gift for the new year. <laughs> well, keeping a girl humble. So I go up to Barnes and Noble on Sunday. I walk in and I'm like, 
I need all of your copies of the New York Times. And I go, and I'm in there. My name's in there. And he goes, and the the guy that was checking me out goes, cool. Like he could care less. So keep a girl humble. I love it. Keep humility <laughs> is a blessing. So if any of you are new listeners, thanks to that incredible mention in the Times, welcome, welcome. And because I don't know the next time our names or our podcast will end up in the New York Times, please allow me to be self-indulgent for one moment and read briefly from the piece that our podcast, quote unquote, feels like an escapist glossy magazine in audio form. I think I've said that line to myself about 70 times in the last week. That's just so cool. And, you know, as someone that works for a magazine, that's like, I mean, just, I just, I think that's. I think that's, I'm still stunned and just floored. So we're honored to be included. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the New York times. So we are going to move into our first Royal rundown of 2023. Our last episode dropped on December 14th. We were going to have an episode on the 28th, but you know what? We needed a break. I think we, we have worked really hard in 2022 and we just, said, you know what, we'll do our top 10 lists on January 4th. So of course, the biggest news since December 14th in our last episode was the, that the Royal family celebrated Christmas and it kicked off with Kate's second annual carol concert at Westminster Abbey. So many of the Royal women that evening were wearing burgundy. The concert was filmed on December 15th, which was coincidentally the same night that volume two of Harry and Meghan's Netflix docuseries dropped. So do you think the burgundy color coordinating was on purpose as a show of unity amongst the family? What do you think? Um, you know, I think it could have been. I actually love that color. It is one of my favorite. I, you know, I think I may have mentioned this on this show before, but I'm not a really big bright red person. Um, but mm-hmm. that burgundy color, I just think is beautiful and it worked really well with the the Christmas Carol concert. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I find it hard to believe it was a coincidence that so many of them There's were in that no color. Way it was. You don't I mean, I don't think so. You know, I mean, definitely, you know, you might expect Charlotte and Catherine to coordinate, but Zara yeah. too. <laughs> well, yeah. And there were more than just that too. I mean, I think Pippa was in, like, I mean, yeah. there were, there were a lot and like you, I mean, I understand maybe if everyone just showed up in red and green, those are traditional Christmas colors, but the, the exact same shade of burgundy, that is not a coincidence. Like more than two people, don't just show up in that color. And I think, you know, I think they, of course, everyone knew that Harry and Meghan volume two was coming out that same day. And I think that I could totally see like all of these women, Pippa, Zara, uh, Kate, not Charlotte probably, but um, on a group text being like, okay, let's, let's show, I think you, if I'm not mistaken, Eugenie, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. There, no, there I don't, I don't think she was. Um, but yeah, there were quite a few. There was, there was more than, there was more than three, more than, more than three. Didn't so, Eugenie like, have that, uh, sort of like, was it like a plaid kind of blanket mm-hmm. coat look or something? If I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's been, we've been on vacation, so forgive us if we're a little bit rusty and this was a couple of weeks ago, but I don't think it was a coincidence either. I think that it was absolutely intentional and I liked it. And, you know, the a Bergen, I'm actually randomly wearing burgundy right now. So um, that was not planned, but, um, you know, I'm <laughs> trying to fit in over here. But okay, so speaking of the docuseries, we're going to go much more in depth in the docuseries in, in later on, we've got a, listeners, we've got a lot of exciting future projects coming up and that have to do with podcast Royal in 2023. We'll elaborate more on that later. But just on, we can't not mention the docuseries because we really haven't talked about it yet on the show. So speaking of the docuseries, Harry and Meghan on Netflix, what were your high level thoughts? Yeah. So high level initial thoughts. I know I mentioned this previously on one of our other episodes, but my, my first takeaways were that there was a lot being said without a lot being said. Um, I felt like nothing new was really shared initially. And then as the episodes came out, you know, it kind of heated up a little bit where we saw them sort of framing William to look like the bad guy, which I felt was sort of a not a great move. Um, mm-hmm. and, and overall, I was really disappointed with the amount of finger pointing 
but with not a lot of facts to back it up, um, you know, really vague details provided, if any, very little self-reflection or acknowledgement that anything was done wrong on their side. Um, and I really do think Americans who haven't followed the royals closely will find Harry and Meghan in this series to probably be relatable or likable. You know, I mean, they're getting one side of the story. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, if you haven't been following the story closely or know, you know, really what we've seen from both sides, um, you know, there, there's a big piece missing there. Um, and, and so just from listening to commentary from other um, Americans who have heard it, a lot of them, I've really been surprised at the and I guess I shouldn't be surprised. We've really been surprised at the lack of knowledge around the royal family um, and hearing their reactions and, and really thinking that, you know, eh, I don't know, that taking everything that was said is the absolute truth. Um, it's been a little bit surprising to me. But, um, you know, overall, I, and I said this before, too, I think we're kind of at that point of overexposure with Sussex content right now. Um, it's just as a quick reminder, we've got Harry's book to look forward to, which drops next week on January 10th. And then even before that, he's doing a sit down interview with Anderson Cooper, which airs this Sunday, January 8th on CBS and I think Paramount Plus. Um, so we're getting a lot of, of stuff and it's just all about the same thing. And nothing really new is being shared. And so I'm not really sure what the overall strategy is there, but what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, I just am sitting here thinking, I just have so much to say. So, um, but I'm not going to say everything because we'll again, expound on this. And honestly, I probably need to watch it again, but I think we said this and we touched on this because our episode came out on December 14th. So part one was out, volume one was out, but volume two was not yet out. And of volume one, I found it quite frankly, to be very boring. And I think you you did as well. Um, maybe it's just because we report on these people week to week, day to day, but there wasn't anything in volume one that was new at all to me. I mean, that, I guess that's not true. How they, I didn't realize they had met on Instagram before they met at the blind date at the Soho house. I mean, there were some things, but um, volume two was much more, um, you know, much more in your face. William definitely got the lion's share of the criticism. I thought Charles got off relatively easy. Um, I've heard the same will be true about spare. So spare, of course, refers to the air in the spare. And so really, I think from what little I've heard from people that have knowledge of the book and have read the book, it's really going to be a book about the sibling rivalry and relationship between he and William as as evidenced and referenced in the title spare so it's William is going to get from what I've heard again once again the lion's share of the criticism uh, yet Harry said in the um I can't remember if no it was the ITV because trailers for both the Anderson Cooper interview and the Tom Bradby ITV interview are out and it was the ITV interview where he said that he wants his brother back. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, then what are you doing? Because, you know, you're just so critical of him in this docu-series and this, apparently this book, which of course I haven't read, but I will be by the time we have our next episode. So I think the overall takeaway about Harry and Meghan, the meaning the docu-series, not the couple, is that however you walked into that docu-series whether you walked into that docu-series as a Harry and Meghan fan or you walked into that docu-series as not a Harry and Meghan fan I don't think that the docu-series changed your mind either way and I and if you didn't care if you if you're apathetic about the couple I don't think you watched you know what I mean and so mm -hmm. I don't think that anybody walked out of that six-part docu-series going oh my gosh I didn't like them and now I do, or I loved them and now I don't. And so did it move the needle? I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. I'd love to hear from listeners if, I mean, I, you know, if it changed your opinion, although I seriously doubt that the two things I'll say is first of all, number one, it's so very obvious that Harry and Megan are in love and I mean, you know, don't we all seek a love like that? So good for them. Number two, it's just all, I, I finished it, especially volume two. And it was just so very sad. Just how it just 
felt like it didn't have to be this way. And why, why did it all shake out like this? And then of course, you know, seeing the queen a little bit in volume two made me sad. And I just left feel it was, it was kind of a depressing watch. Honestly, I think volume one for me was pretty boring. Volume two for me was pretty sad. And so that's kind of where I'll leave my thoughts. Go ahead. No, I I was going to say, I agree with you. I think that's a great point. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, it was kind of sad and it was, I I just hate that. That was the, the feeling that came out of that. Yeah. And just, you know, again, like I felt this way in the Oprah interview too. Why am I watching this family struggle? It felt voyeuristic. It felt icky a little bit and it just felt invasive. Um, I could, I've chosen not to watch. I mean, I guess not, I mean, this is my work, so not really, but you know, of course I was going to watch, even if I didn't do this for a living, but, um, yeah, more to come on that. But I want to say that I read a piece and I can't even remember where it was, but that there is a term called Sussex fatigue. And you've mentioned this on the show before about how there's a lot of Sussex content coming out right now. The archetypes podcast, the docuseries, the book, the Anderson Cooper interview, the ITV interview. I'm sure there's things I'm forgetting. Megan's been on the cut and variety. And so and then I've also heard, and this is, this is, I think a thing is going to be, end up being a thing because I didn't realize that with Penguin Random House, Harry and Megan have signed a four book deal. Did you realize that? I did not. So the first book was the bench, which was Megan's children's book that came out in 2021. Okay. The, se- the second book is spare. The third book is reportedly a wellness book that Harry and Megan are working on together. So that sounds rather California, not to be stereotypical, but, and then the fourth book is allegedly Megan's memoir. So Megan's going to have her own turn, which of course, like we can expect that, right? I mean, if Harry's going to have his turn to have a memoir, why wouldn't Megan, you know? So um, that will be fascinating as well, but Sussex fatigue, I mean, you've spoken about it and I've said on here, you know, well, we asked for this content and now it's all coming out. So we can't complain about it, but it does feel like a lot. It does. It, and then, so by the way, um, wasn't expecting this, but Harry and Megan also released another Netflix project, Live to Lead, which came out on New Year's Eve. And I actually had the chance to watch it. We're recording this on January 3rd. So um, it's not very long. There's seven parts. They're about 25, 27 minutes a piece. Um, lots of really great people on there. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, Brian Stevenson, um, some, some other people. And, um, I actually really liked it. I found it really good. Like, this is the kind of like live to lead is the kind of Sussex content that I, that I want, because it's not all about them. It's, it's interesting. It's engaging. It moves the needle forward for me. Um, of course, as we've said, we're just days away at this point from spare coming out that comes out January 10th. And as you mentioned a minute ago, he, he is only doing two interviews for this and they're both on January 8th, which is on Sunday to promote the book. ITV's Tom Bradby, which listeners, you might remember him. Tom Bradby is the journalist that interviewed Harry and Meghan when they were on their Royal tour of Africa in 2019. The one that asked Meghan, are you okay? Famously. And then CNN's Anderson Cooper, the interview actually will not be on CNN. It will be on CBS's 60 minutes on Sunday. So are you going to watch those interviews and are you going to read spare? Well, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, we'll, we'll have, we'll talk about it here. Um, so I'll, I'll watch and I'll, I'll read and, you know, just like I did the docu series and I know mm-hmm. you will too. Um, so we'll see, you know, what comes out of that, but I agree with you on everything you've said. I really do think overall, you know, the public, was supportive of their love story and of the two of them together. And I think everybody liked um, seeing them together when they announced their relationship and when they got married. And um, I feel like this step away from the family could have been handled so much better and they could have used their platform to, you know, shine a light on the issues that they care about. Like you, you talked about, you know, other series that kind of focus on, um, I don't know, different things that they want to shed a light on. And I just, I'm, I'm struggling to really understand given they spent so little time as working Royals, why we're spending so much effort. Um, what, you know, what feels like just causing hurt within the family. I, I don't, 
I don't understand that piece of it. It That does not make sense to me. Um, So we'll see, you know, what comes out in the future with their additional books and if they have anything else with Netflix. Um, But yeah, I agree with what you said. Yeah. And obviously I will be watching and I will be reading. So, um, (laughs) I mean, that goes without saying. So let's jump back to Christmas. So Harry and Meghan stayed in the U.S., but the rest of the royal family went to Sandringham for Christmas. We saw them all on the traditional Christmas morning walk to St. Mary Magdalene Church for services. It was Louis's debut, and as usual, he stole the show. I think I wrote mm-hmm. probably four or five different articles about Louis at the Christmas walk alone. I mean, just obsessed with this child. Love him. Kate wore a pair of earrings that were apparently a Christmas gift from William, which I think is adorable. The Royals opened their Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve. So she would have had them all ready for Christmas morning. And the Christmas walk was the first since 2019 because of the pandemic. And of course, you know, we didn't have her late majesty there. So it felt different, but it was so good to see them on the walk again. So were you glad to see it back? Yes, of course. I love this tradition. Um, and I, it, it's such a happy, you know, fun moment to see them out on Christmas morning together as a family. So I was really happy. And I wanted to ask you, what did you think about Kate's outfit? Yeah, it was pretty bold, wasn't it? I mean, I, um, I'm just, you know, maybe this is the American in me. I'm not a huge hat person. I thought that, first of all, I love the Alexander McQueen coat. I love the color. The hat was bold. It had a feather in it. I liked it. It it felt like she was pushing the envelope a little bit. I liked it. What did you think? Yeah. um, You know, it was, it was interesting. I kind of felt like it was a little bit unpredictable for her for a Christmas morning look. I mean, I did expect her to have a hat, um, but I, the whole look in general with, you know, the, the feather and the, you know, the green and kind of the brown tones, not really what I was expecting um, to see on Christmas morning, but at the same time, it kind of felt, um, felt a little British to me. And it felt like maybe what we might see her in going to church if she was like off the clock on family time, you know, Mm -hmm. like not, not in the public, like it was still a great look. And um, it was just a little bit, a little bit different than what we normally see. Yeah. So I liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I liked it too. It, that's that's a good way to put it. It was a little it was a little bit different than what we'd seen before, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. I, I liked it. I like, you know, I like I like going outside of the box a little bit sometimes. So okay, moving on from that, what did you think of the King's speech? So every Christmas morning, um, as listeners, longtime listeners know, my mom is a royal family fan as well she's the one that got me into all this so thanks mom hi mom I know you're listening and so every Christmas morning at 9 a.m central time which is our time zone for my entire life we've watched the what was the queen's speech right because it's 3 p.m um London time or UK time now of course it's the king's speech and I'm going to be honest with you I so it's about nine minutes long or something like that. I do remember that the Prince and Princess of Wales got a shout out. Um, I think essential workers got a shout out. I don't remember everything that Charles said, but as that old quote says, you might not remember what someone says, but you remember how it made you feel. And it made me feel really seen and heard because he talked, of course, about grieving, which of course he is the loss of his mother. And I, 2022 was a year of grief for me as well. I, I don't, I honestly, I don't remember. I think I mentioned it on the show that we lost a really close family member this, this year unexpectedly. And so I, I felt, I thought he did a great job. I mean, I think it's, it's been amazing. Hasn't it? That Charles has really done such a great job and has, has not only done such a great job, but he's been received so well. I mean, it, all of it since September 8th, with, as far as he's concerned, has exceeded my expectations. And the King's speech is no different. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I watched it as well. And I really liked the video that, you know, kind of supplemented his, his speech. And Mm -hmm. I just enjoyed seeing the, um, you know, him and it was St. George's Chapel, right. That he was in, Mm -hmm. um, it was beautiful. And I really liked him referencing his trip to, uh, Bethlehem. I thought that was really cool as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good speech. Yeah, that's on my bucket list too, is that trip to Bethlehem and seeing where everything happened in the Bible. 
come to life. Yeah, I, I thought it was really good. I was very impressed. It's just, it's been, I don't know what we expected. I mean, if we just thought, you know, someone can have a 73 and a half year apprenticeship and then bomb out in the job, <laughs> but he's doing great. And so go, go Charles. So I'm impressed. Well, we also saw the Prince and Princess of Wales released uh, for Christmas a reindeer watercolor painting George made. What were your thoughts <laughs> about that one, Rachel? <laughs> okay, I, the, guy, the, the little guy is very talented. There's something, and I, it's a great painting. But there it is. He, did, he at nine years old, did run, ran leaps and bounds around 36-year-old me as far as art, artistic. And he, he takes after his, actually, after his grandfather, Charles, who, who paints. And, um, and his mom is artistic as well. She draws, um, I paint too, but I don't paint that well. I just paint for like, it's, it's calming and relaxing to me, but there's something about that reindeer that looks really sassy. And I, and once you see it, you can't see it. Like the reindeer has this, I I don't know if you want to call it an expression on it. I mean, he's, he's very talented. I'm not knocking a nine-year-old kid's painting, but there's, it's, it's, it's good. He's just, the reindeer has a little expression that I'm, that makes me, makes me think like, okay, girl, like, or something like that. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> it, it. It's good. It's good. What did you think? I thought it was precious. And I loved that they decided to share that too. I thought that was a really sweet moment. I loved the little pile of um, snowflakes on his nose and the yes. little bird on his antler. And mm-hmm. I thought it was precious. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And those are obviously proud parents, right? And so um, what a great, what a great, like, little piece to share with everybody at Christmas, right? Like everybody wants something to make you smile at Christmas and and fill your heart with joy. And I thought that was the perfect way to do it. (laughs) No, he definitely, he, like I said, he's one quarter, 25% of my age and he did better than I ever could. So he, he did a great job. So at Christmas day church, we did not see Anne. Where was Anne? People were asking. She was down with a cold. She was sick. But once again, the Princess Royal was named the year's hardest working royal. She was the 2022 hardest working royal. This is not, not new. This is nothing, nothing new, no new news as far as this goes. She undertook 214, that's a lot of engagements, 214 engagements last year. Charles came in second place with 181. So Anne beat him pretty handedly. Edward and Sophie came in third and fourth place with 143 and 138 engagements, respectively. William rounded out the top five with 126 engagements. Camilla was in sixth with 102 engagements. Look at the difference between number one at 214 and number number five with 126. And then mm-hmm. Kate finished ninth with 90 engagements. That seems low. I feel like she, I feel like she does more than 90 engagements, but whatever. I'm not going to doubt science here, but so Anne is our hardest working Royal again. So congratulations to the princess Royal. Wow. Yeah, she is. I mean, her work ethic is incredible. Very much like her mom. (laughs) Yes. She is definitely the backbone of this family. So we also learned over the break that Trooping the Color will be June 17th, so mark your calendars. The King is also starring on the 2023 Royal Mint to commemorate his 75th birthday next year, and we also caught a glimpse of the new banknotes with Charles' face on them for the first time. So these banknotes will enter circulation in mid-2024. And they are unchanged from the banknotes featuring her late majesty, um, except for Charles' image will, will be on there instead of hers. Yes. And the king also released his first ever New Year's honors list, honoring over 1,100 individuals, including Queen guitarist Brian May and Jason Knopf, who is the former advisor to the Prince and Princess of Wales and also had, of course, a hand in those bullying allegations with Megan. So that was a little bit controversial, but um So congratulations to all of those who made the King's first episode, so many firsts, and we'll just continue to have more and more of those as the, as his first year goes on. But as we close the Royal Rundown, and we have just such a super brief Royals around the world, but the bulk of our episode, I guess, will be our top 10 Royal moments of the year. And we're not going to go incredibly deep into this because everybody listening remembers these moments, but I would just love to know, first of all, what were your overall impressions of 2022 in terms of the royal family? 
Wow. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, I, I mean, oh my gosh, it was a packed year. I mean, there were some, there were some highs and there were some really, really low, sad moments. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a lot of mourning. Um, but then, you know, again, you know, there were, there were some, some great memories that, you know, a, a lot happened this year. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm trying to not say too much cause I know we're going to dig into our top moments, but, um, I, I think, I have to imagine if I came out of 2022, just looking for a break at the end of the year, the Royals too, probably, and I hope they've taken some time these last few weeks to just really unplug as well Mm -hmm. and chill out because it was a big year for everyone in the Royal family. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the platinum Jubilee would have been enough. Right. But then her, her late, her late majesty dying just three months later was, it was a big year. So I don't know. So in the past we've gone back and forth. I think we should do that again. And so do you want to do your, so we're going to go from 10 down to one. And for me anyway, um, they, they're ranked like number 10 is the least important of the importance. And then number one is like the biggest moment for me. And I'll, I'll go in. We, and we always say this every year too, but for new listeners, this is our top 10, just based on our personal experience and following the Royal family. Mm-hmm. So it may, you know, they're not going to be the top 10 that you see in, you know, articles online or whatever. This oh, is no, this just is personal to me and Rachel. So we may say something that you're like, what? I don't remember that. Well, th- it was what stuck out to us. So and why don't you, we, it doesn't mean that we like it either. <laughs> it doesn't mean that <laughs> no, no, no. Either. Right. It's just memorable. Yeah. It's just, yeah. The most memorable. It doesn't like the, like, obviously I'm, I, haven't looked at your list yet, but the, the queen's death will be on your list. There's no way it can't be. That doesn't mean we like it. It doesn't mean like, Oh yes. Awesome. This happened. So it's just our most memorable. We should probably reword it to be our most memorable, not our top, but this is our third year doing this, by the way, 2020, 2021, 2022. Wow. That's pretty crazy. So, okay. Did you say you wanted me to go first? Yeah. Why don't you start off? Okay. Well, so like Jessica just said, you're never, you're not going to see my number 10 in any magazine list. Cause and you're, and it's not going to be on Jessica's list either. Cause it's personal to me. So my number 10 Royal moment of the year was my interview with Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York for Marie Claire. I got to talk to her on well, it was on audio zoom. So you want, I don't know if you call that the phone or what, but we, we spoke for, I had, I had her for 30 minutes. We went over and I apologize for that. And she was so gracious. She said, don't, don't worry about that at all. She, it was honestly not just one of my favorite interviews I had in 2022. It was one of my favorite interviews I've ever had. I found her to be absolutely lovely. There were definitely children in the background running around. I'm pretty sure that um, it was August in the background and he fell down and she, as a concerned grandmother, like ran after him, like she stopped the interview for a minute and ran after him. And I found that to be like, so precious, like, you know, just me sitting here in Birmingham, Alabama in my bedroom and hearing on audio zoom, the Duchess of York running after princess Eugenie's child. I mean, just like, that's just one of those moments where you're like, is this real life? But I, I truly was so moved by what she said. And if you want to hear what she said, you can read the article, but that's my number 10. I mean, it's not every day or certainly even every year that you get to talk to a member of the Royal family. And so I had to include that on there, even though I know that won't be on your list or anybody else's list. So that's my number 10. Well, I'm honestly surprised that was all the way down at number 10. That's a pretty, but a lot happened this year. A lot, a lot of stuff happened. So my number 10 is, of course, Catherine's 40th birthday. That happened at the top of the year. Um, and, you know, we never saw any kind of big party or celebration for that. But it was a milestone birthday. And we did get surprised with some new royal portraits of hers. Mm-hmm. So that was really fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, it definitely fit into my, my 10 list. Well, this is going to happen more than once, I'm sure. But that is my number nine. So I'm going to concede it over to you to share your number nine. Okay. So my number nine was the Cambridges touring the Caribbean. So, um, I know that was, there was a lot of buzz about that in the news when that, um, when that tour took place before and after, um, they got a lot of criticism, but we also had some really great moments. And I mean, look, you can call me shallow for loving the fashion, but Kate had some great dresses on that trip. Yes, um, we live for it. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Um, 
that, yeah, that one's my number nine. So I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on that one? Any comments? Well, that's my number five. So I had it a little bit higher up. I think, you know, from a sartorial perspective, from a fashion perspective, it was wonderful from um, a broader perspective. It was very controversial and you can hear, you can go back in March or whenever it was, I think it was in March to hear our thoughts on that. It was, it was very controversial, but sometimes I think in life, our mistakes propel us forward as people and as leaders. And I think that that, I think that William and Kate needed to, I wouldn't call it a fall on their face moment. I mean, it wasn't a complete loss, but it was not great. If, if listeners remember, and I think that needed to happen. I think those mistakes needed to happen because these, I mean, at the time in March, they never would have known that they would be Prince and Princess of Wales by the end of the year within six months. Um, they didn't, you know, which is, you know, now William is second in line to the throne. They needed that tour to refine them, I think, and to propel them forward. And I think what we saw come out of that tour was were, were mistakes, yes, but also we saw an unprecedented statement by William at the end of the tour. And I think, you know, because I was I was at the US tour. And so I saw kind of the results of how they're doing things differently now after the Caribbean tour. And by the way, I went on tour with them for three days in one city. I can't imagine how exhausted a royal reporter would be going on eight days in three countries. I mean, my stamina, my muscle is not flexed that much yet. That's a lot of work. So bravo to all royal reporters. But yes, the Caribbean tour, we can't leave that off. That was a monumental moment. And honestly, another thing, I don't think we're going to see. Now, Charles and Camilla are going to go on a huge tour in 2023. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I don't think we're going to see William and Kate take a long tour like that to multiple countries, possibly ever again. So I think that that actually will end up being kind of a dying era for them. I think that it will be more like Kate's tour to Denmark in February, two days, solo, quick. I don't think we're going to, or, or like William and Kate in Boston, three days, quick. Um, I don't think we're going to see a tour like that, maybe for a long time from them. So that's my number five. Wow. Okay. Um, so is it my turn now to do my number eight? Yes. yes. Okay. So my number eight is when um, William, Kate, and the kids moved to Windsor. So I thought that this was huge because it really shows me where their priorities lie as parents. So they moved out of the city. They wanted to give their kids a more country life. And, and the timing, this, this move really got overshadowed because they moved um, the first weekend in September and then their kids started at Lambrook on September 8th, which was actually also the day that her late majesty died. So this move really kind of got brushed under the rug, but I think that it's really important in terms of how William and Kate, yes, are definitely prioritizing their royal roles, but they're also really prioritizing their role as parents too. And they're looking out for these kids and they're taking them out of the fishbowl of KP and of London. And so I thought that that deserved mention on my list. So that is my number eight. Well, that was my number eight as well. So we had the same. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and I know we talked about it um, when we were first starting to hear, we were like, you know, we don't want to start any rumors. It hasn't been confirmed, but they're looking at Adelaide cottage. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. and so then it actually, it did happen. Um, so yeah, um, that was my number eight. So do I, do I go to number seven now or do you, uh, you can go for it. Okay. So my number seven is Earthshot in Boston. Um, and I know this is on your list and I know you have much more of a firsthand um, experience with this than I do. So I'll let you really talk about a lot of the details. Um, of course, it was on my list because the last time we saw Catherine and William in the United States has been quite a long time ago. When was, 20, when was 2014? So 2014, it's been yeah. eight years. Yeah. And so that was a huge deal. I thought they did from my perspective, from what I saw that I thought they did a really great job, really enjoyed watching the awards um, with their, their green carpet. Um, And it was just really, I thought it was a great event. So I'll let you share your side of that. Well, if listeners, if you want to hear my side of that, you can go to episode 80, which is the episode that precedes this. And I wax on and on and on and on about Boston. 
I won't do that now, but just the fact that I was there and got to see them in person, I mean, I'll never get over that. And that's my number four, which shows what kind of year this was when that is my number four. Yeah, um, really. So, so um, just, I mean, what an incredible experience now that they, they planned this trip when they were still the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Now that they're the Prince and Princess of Wales and their focus is so much on the UK and the Commonwealth, I don't know the next time they'll be back at the US. So I'm so glad that I got to see them when they were, were there. And like I said, that is my number four. So backing up to my number seven, I put the return to quote unquote normalcy with normal royal events in the diary. So example being what we just talked about with the Sandringham Christmas walk. We haven't done that since 2019. And, you know, that's a long time. I mean, that's three years. And so having Royal Ascot again, having um, Order of the Garter again, just like the staples in having Trooping the Color again, the staples in the Royal Diary that we didn't get in 2020, we did not get in 2021. Just, you know, I mean, COVID, I don't know, are we calling COVID over now? COVID will never end. COVID is a part of our life now, but it's not as um, as isolating as it, as it once was. And so returning to normalcy with just some normal royal staples that we look forward to every year, that's my number seven. Well, and I think that's part of what made 2022 such a big year. You know, when you asked my initial takeaway, it was like, oh my gosh, there's just so much because not only did we have the return to normal events after two years off, we brought all this back on the calendar. On top of that, there were these huge events that would take place that we couldn't have predicted. So yeah, um, yeah I think that's a great number seven. Um, so I'll go and do my number six. Um, my number six is just everything with the Sussexes from, you know, the docu-series to the talk of Harry's book to um, multiple magazine interviews. I mean, I, you know, you can't avoid the fact that this was a big, um, a big, focus um with with mm-hmm. alongside the royal family this year there was a lot of chatter about this and um we've reported on it quite a lot and we followed along with it too so it definitely stuck on in my mind yeah and that is actually my number six as well so I mean you said it the docuseries spare archetypes Invictus Games we, we can't forget about the Invictus Games that was a moment yeah. when that was happening back in April so um Yeah, I would say Harry, I'm just calling that Harry and Meghan's projects. You know, we didn't see much of after their step back in January of 2020, we really didn't see much of them at all in 2020 or 2021 for that matter. So it's nice to have them out front again and to be able to report on their work. And so many people said for so many years, well, what are they doing? You know, with these big Netflix and Spotify deals, where's the, where's the product? Well, here's the product. It's all coming out right now. So that is my number six. So my number five, and I'm getting a little into the details here, but these are just, I I bunched them both into number five because they're kind of from the same event and they both stuck out to me, but um, Prince Louis at the Platinum Jubilee and all of his funny facial expressions. And I mean, that was just, I I had a great laugh at all of that. And then also the Paddington Bear skit with Queen Elizabeth. I, I mean, that has just really like, stuck in my mind throughout this whole year. I thought that was such a sweet moment and just really mm-hmm. kind of brought everyone together. Everyone loved it. It was a feel good moment. And it was, um, you know, some of the last times we got to see her. Um, and that's so interacting kind and, of emotional. Oh, yeah, I, it is. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my five. Well, so we've already said my five and my four. So jumping down to number three, you and I are clearly on the same wavelength here. My number three is the Platinum Jubilee. And we can't obviously not, of course, mention the Platinum Jubilee because it will probably never happen again, at least in our lifetimes, that we'll have a monarch on the throne for 70 years, barring catastrophe. And just, I mean, just everything, you know, I think it would have been special even if we hadn't had COVID, but, you know, really June was, everybody's coming out of COVID. We've got Trooping the Color back for the first time in three years. We've got um, the, the pageant, we've got the concert, we've got the service of Thanksgiving, just so much packed into those four days. And I got to cover it. So I was dialed in the whole time. And I mean, we had no idea in June that we were going to lose her so soon after, and it was special anyway. And now in hindsight, it's even more special that we got that time. And I truly think, you know, the queen being who the queen was, she was in such frail health in the last year of her life, but she stuck it out for us. 
and like I got like I don't want to be like episode that episode where I just freaking bawled the whole time so I'm going to stop myself but I just want to say again thank you ma'am for everything because she gave us that moment she gave us the platinum jubilee thank you for that mm-hmm. yeah and my number four is you know it's similar to your experience um with your number 10 it's going to be very unique to me and and you as well I guess but um reporting on cheddar news um during yeah. the funeral um and and, you know following her death that was um certainly not something that we planned to happen it was really quick and it was something we had to do kind of live and on the spot and it was a new experience for me something I had not done before um and then really just like an incredibly historical moment to be a part of um so I mean it just really has I don't know it, it was a it was a point in 2022 for me that really sticks out um because it was, I don't, I mean, it was an honor to be able to, to be there and share memories of her majesty following her death like that. Um, Absolutely. so yeah, big, yeah. Big, and big that, you know, I've done, I've done some TV spots before, but never with you. And I've said it then, and I'll say it again. I much prefer it with you. I would rather have you there for every single one because you know, that was such a tough day and just having you there, that was really special. I mean, it was a horrible, you know, wish it were under happier circumstances, but that, that was special. And so my, okay. Do you want to do your number three? Cause I'm already on my number two. So you go ahead and okay. with your number three. Yeah. So my number three is just following Prince Charles taking over as King. We've said it up, you know, many times before he's done really well. Um, and you know, I know he's been in training for a while, but, um, still, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard transition. I mean, not only has his country lost their monarch, he's lost his mother. Um, and it would be difficult for anyone. And so, um, I think it's been really interesting to see him kind of take on that role. Yeah. And that's my number two is just the mini first for King Charles, you know, his first King speech, his first speech on September 9th, um, just, you know, all of his first state dinner, his first diplomatic corps reception, just all of the first, which we continue, we will continue to have through the next year. And again, just how well it's gone. Um, I've always found it so cruel that, you know, the, the job in his case, he's been training for, for 73, almost 74 years hinges on his mother's death Mm -hmm. but um he's he's really exceeded my expectations so that is my number two and I mean there's obviously no doubt what my number one is so what's your number two and then we'll I'm I'm positive we have the same number one yeah my number two is the Cambridges becoming Waleses so Mm -hmm. I I put this pretty high on the list and I wasn't exactly sure where to put it and I landed here because it was such a big moment um you know, it was done pretty quickly. Um, and I mean, everybody has always thought of the princess of Wales as princess Diana. Um, and so, you know, we really didn't know, you know, what that would be like. Um, but I, I think they've stepped into this role really well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Kate makes a wonderful princess of Wales and it, you know, again, it was, it was a big moment. And I think, I think too, like it's caught on, like I, I haven't had any problems switching from, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge to the Prince and Princess of Wales. So, um, I it, a couple of times, but for the most part, yeah, well, but yeah, they, so they stepped into that role really well. And that was my number two. Well, and also I just thought of this, we mentioned Kate's 40th birthday, but we didn't mention that it was William's 40th birthday too. So <laughs> we clearly just, anyway, but yes, they're doing a great job as Prince and Princess of Wales. And I mean, just obviously we'll continue to. So, I mean, spoil, no spoiler alert here. And again, remember listeners that our top moment doesn't mean it's because we like it. We hate it actually. But I mean, I, I think this is your number one too. We can't not have it be the queen's death and, and her funeral and all the, you know, the pageantry around that as well. I've never seen anything like it. And I mean, she passed away on the eighth and her funeral was the 19th and it was just wall to wall that pretty much that whole time. And, um, we, I'm sure in our lifetime, unfortunately, we'll see the death of another monarch, but not one that's reigned for 70 years in our entire lifetimes. And, just not only is it a big deal to us as royal correspondents, but it's a moment in history. And um, if you want to hear how we felt about that, you can go back and hear me blubber and cry. But that is my number one. Um, you just really can't can't. I mean, it's just such a part of history that you can't put it at number one. 
can't, excuse me, can't not put it at number one. Right. Yeah. And there are some moments from that period that just really are kind of stuck in my mind. Um, you know, seeing her coffin travel around the UK, the way they mm-hmm. had that glass top on the car and you could see that. I mean, that's just really stuck in my mind. Um, and then again, the thousands and thousands of people that queued up to see her lying in state. I mean, that mm-hmm. just really shows how loved she yeah. was. And those are kind of the moments from that period that, um, have really stuck with me and that I've, I've remembered. So. Absolutely. Well, we're in 2023 now, barely it's January 3rd as we record this. So what are you most looking forward to in 2023? Is it Charles's coronation in May? Is it he and Camilla's world tour, which is expected to be the largest in Royal history? What are you most looking forward to this year? Well, you know, I think we've got a lot to look forward to, but I'm going to I'm going to start by saying first off will be the coronation. I mean, obviously that's something that we've never actually seen in real life. We've seen videos, but um it'll be interesting to see how they how they do it. Um what's changed, you know, what's what's different from last time and just to see another, you know, again, a historical moment. I, I think that's what I'm looking forward to. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree with that. I think there's going to be a lot of things that happen in 2023 that we can't predict that um, either we don't know about or no one knows about. But I think from what we do know about, it's hard to argue with the coronation. It's just, again, it's all a part of history. And, you know, people hundreds of years from now will look back on these times and the early days of Charles's reign. And of course, Camilla will be crowned right alongside him, which still weirds me out a little bit, but I'll hopefully get over that by May. And just, I mean, it, yeah, I think um, it's going to be a big year. I don't know if it'll be as big as 2022, but in its own way, 2023 is set up to be a big year as well. So that's what we got. So there's our, our top 10 list, third <laughs> annual. That's wow. wow. Well, wrapping everything up with a quick Royals around the world. So we announced in an earlier episode that Princess Alexandra of Luxembourg would be getting married this year. And we now know when. So their civil wedding will be April 22nd and their religious ceremony will be April 29th, which coincidentally is the same day as William and Kate's 12th wedding anniversary. Um, she is marrying Nicholas Baggery in the first Luxembourg royal wedding since 2013. So a lot to look forward to with that royal family as well. I'm sure they're going to be in huge celebration mode. Um, I mean, that's what, 10 years since they've had um, a royal wedding. Yeah. And li- new listeners, I want to, I always point this out because I think this makes our podcast just, I, I think it sets us apart and I really like it that we do do a segment not every time, but um, we we follow other royal families around the world as well, like Lux- Luxembourg, Sweden, Japan, just all Jordan, all over the world. And so obviously our primary focus is the British royal family, but we, Monaco, I mean, just all kinds of European royal families as well. So I like that part about our show and I'm not afraid to say it. Me too. Well, Rachel, anything else before we close it out? No. Welcome to 2023, everyone. Let's see what happens. Happy New Year. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. Email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. And please follow, rate, and review our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 81 of Podcast Royal. Bye. Bye.